We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Why, hello, and welcome to Issues. 624, Geek in City Radio. I'm Aaron Duran, where I blow out Denise's eardrums. Uh, I'm not uh, audibly injured. I was just shocked. Uh, like, you, you startled me. You did me a frighten. Uh, I'm being Rita. <laughs> and I'm just amused by the whole damn thing, Cable Hashitani. Yeah. Everything's all weird and different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different is good. Well, different can be good. Yeah. It's definitely weird. Change. Um, it and holy crap, it is... I'm really excited. We are live on Facebook, on Geek in the City Radio, on uh, YouTube, as well as the Geek in the City Twitch page. Woo! We have a Twitch! We do have a Twitch. Yes, but only when I've, you know, like, really stressed. Yeah. Right. And and this little chat thing is going to show us comments from all of those platforms at the same I, time. I think so. I'm just now In trying theory. to mute everywhere that I'm playing. That's <laughs> magic. Uh, I I really love the this Chiron we have down here. That's exciting. I that's feel very cool, official huh? with with a Chiron. I know. I think I could add little things to it as we go, which is pretty sweet. Uh oh, <laughs> nice. I'm just I'm having. I'm nice. already amused at like the ridiculous banners we can start throwing in under there. Right. I'm just gonna one day. I'm just gonna write. Look at banner, Michael. Look at banner, Michael. <laughs> So now I just want people to chat like on every single page to see if the chat thing really does what it says it does. No, I'm I'm gonna be like distracted by the lack of comments until we have them. So the sooner you comment, the the sooner we can like get on with the show, folks. That's right. It also looks like um we can Denise and I will be able to see comments. Mm-hmm. But we can't respond in the chat because we're not the host. Oh God damn it! Well, maybe there's something else. Mm. We'll figure that out later. Yeah. However, that's yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, 
It this just means also, there will also... be a lot of um, responding in live mm-hmm. as opposed to yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. In commentary, it's uh, also cheaper than Zoom. <laughs> mm. pretty, pro- pretty promising. Mm-hmm. Well, Even while we does white us all out, which is weird. While we're waiting, um, I talked to Aaron about this already. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to an Etsy seller. Ooh, uh, cool. Geek Dad Gifts. Uh, for those of you who see me at Guardian Games, you know that I am have a penchant for wearing uh, Star Trek uh, badges uh, as part of my uniform. And I've always wanted to kind of get badges for the entire crew as it were. And today I did just that. I got all of these badges that are discovery style and Ooh. absolutely, absolutely gorgeous 3d printed magnet backed. Those are uh, awesome. Including this lovely Admiral badge. Uh, so these, and like when I say everybody, I mean, I have 40 badges nice. to give to coworkers tomorrow. These all come from Geek Dad Gifts, all one word, on Etsy. Please check him out. He does uh, some marvelous Star Trek-themed 3D printing, including phasers. He 3D prints phasers. Damn. And communicators. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and Star Trek Christmas tree ornaments. And Star Trek Christmas tree ornaments. So, Is you know. Etsy Geek Dad? Yeah, he's on Etsy. Geek Dad Gifts. Well, oh, Cable Hashtani has given them a five-star review, so you yes, know they're yes, good. Yes, I did. <laughs> um, definitely check them out, especially if you're looking for costuming or gift ideas for the holidays. This is definitely the holidays for buy local, buy small. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Billionaire companies don't need your money. No. Um, That's why but, I didn't buy any of you gifts this year. Yeah, good. But spend $50. Well, I guess I'm going to throw yours away then. Sorry. I didn't say spend... I didn't get you anything. Oh. I just womp, said I didn't womp. buy you anything. But yeah, spend $50 uh, at for an artist who makes stuff and get something new and original, and you yeah. will get it in time. Um, Jeff, who is Geek Dad Gifts, ship these on Saturday from Atlanta. I had them in I mean, my the, mailbox today. The badges wow. are only two bucks each. Uh huh. That's ridiculous. Uh huh. I mean, seriously. That's they're, cool. They're great. They, they... So, would it be weird if, like, you also bought a bunch of agonizers for the crew to wear, and then say out of line, <laughs> "You just come up, your agonizer, please," knowing that they have to act it out, like, no. Um, I could do that with a couple of them who are um, diehard Trekkies. The the newer converts would be like, what? I've only seen TNG. No, Mr. Washington. No, your agonizer, please. Also, we're not that kind of store anymore. Yeah, but it's super cool. <laughs> it would be cool. It'd be cooler if you anymore. were. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Hey, geek Dad Gifts. Go check them cool. out on, on Etsy. Oh man, a Sonic Disruptor. What episode was that? I don't know. Uh, it feels like it's a Romulan weapon, though. Yeah, it does. Because they got from the Klingon TOS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but I do like the like the cage era pistol. Yeah, the laser pistols. Yeah, yeah, those are sweet. Well, that's pretty cool, man. I may have to get it to kind of round out my. Uh, uh, well, I have to get a badge because I've got, I've got Picard era Starfleet uniform, and I've got my Captain Pike jacket, which is a uniform also. So I'll need, I need a little bit of both. Yep, they've got motion picture badges. They've got Kelvin Universe, uh, Terran Empire. Terran Empire is also the um, Discovery design where it's the inverted arrowhead. Right. Yeah. 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 Which, which is, is great. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I believe he also has, um, where is it? Yeah, he does have lower decks. He has lower deck badges. Uh, oh, yep. Which are pretty good. Oh, man, those TOS, uh, the motion picture badges. I always mm-hmm. thought of those. I thought my badge was over here on my desk, and it's not. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I have a, um, a Deep Space Nine era jacket to go with my Deep Space Nine era jacket. You do. Jacket. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Oh, and somewhere, been sick. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, somewhere I also have a. I maybe still have uh, my uh, T, uh, TNG badge uh, along with my uh, little my little gold pips from that year that I did uh, data. Oh, nice! Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I think I also may have found a a source for pips on Etsy. I'll check them out later and nice let you know. Also, I always thought it was weird that the Borg gave themselves an insignia. That is weird. Which mm-hmm. I know they, they technically didn't do. It was in Descent, which means it was Lore's Borg that gave themselves that insignia. Really? That's where yeah, that came from? That's okay. where it comes from. But it's still weird that they then applied it all the time. Well, because everyone else had one. And that's that's what you do to sell merchandise. Oh, you yeah, know, I know. It's totally to sell merch. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's how you make money. It's true. So what are we talking about today, friends? You mean apart from just nerding out over our new service here? I know. I'm like a little bit oh, distracted we're, by We're it. already getting <laughs> Twitch subscribers. Oh, yay. I think it's Bex, but I like I like their name and their Twitch name, so... The Deal Warlock? Yeah! So metal. That's very metal. Yeah. Yeah, we're still getting a lot of people from Facebook, which is great. Yeah. Um, Don't worry, folks. This won't be us all the time. But, you know, it's a new toy. I I do think it's neat because I I think this will help in that people want to watch where they want to watch. People want to use the service they want to use that makes the most sense for them. For some people, it's Facebook. Some people, it's Twitch. Some people, it's YouTube. So this is great. Yeah. So many badges. Badges? You need more stinking badges. badges. You don't need any more stinking badges. At present, I don't. I bought 40. (laughs) Sack says they assimilated the Schwartz. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) Um, oh yeah, I see people who were following along on Facebook are now have now jumped over to Twitch. We're doing it. We're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, but what are we talking about then? Other than us, like so many ent- things. We should probably other than us entering what 2018. 
right? right. Yep. Um, yep. We're finally kind of now. That means we make money, right? That's how no, Twitch works. No. I hate to break it to you. Um, uh, what if I wear a low cut shirt? I can't answer that. Um, like, like I don't know. I don't know. How, I don't know how it works. It because yeah, we don't we don't need to pull back the curtain on that right at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> so since we were, I, I started with Star Trek badges, let's let's talk track. Yeah, I'm down for that. Which which variety? We have two flavors right now. Well, this is true. We we didn't get to cover the last two episodes of Prodigy, which mm-hmm. um or the last two edge episodes before the mid season break, apparently. Yeah, I didn't realize they were taking a mid season break because I went to like, where's the new prodigy? I don't think they had that originally planned that way. I think they had planned on airing it straight all <laughs> ten episodes. And then I think they looked at the production schedule of or the release schedule of the other shows and went, how about we, because Prodigy started, like, Lower Decks ended, there was a week of no track, and then Prodigy started. And then the fifth episode of Prodigy right. aired the same day as the first episode of Discovery Season 4. At least the Nickelodeon one. The Nickelodeon airing, right? Yeah. Okay. On Par- all, all on Paramount Plus, right? So I think, I think when Discovery season four ends, there's going to be another gap before we get to February and Picard. So February and, is Picard. Yes. So I think that's why they moved the second half to Prodigy to January to fill in those five weeks before Picard starts. Okay. And also, I wonder since Prodigy is aimed at kids. You know that like Nickelodeon or some kids broadcasting has done research being like, look, <clears throat> kids aren't watching new shows during December. Sure. They're they're like, like we don't get we don't get the we don't get the audience that time of year, which would make sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So because they're all yeah, they're just doing family stuff or they're watching classic Christmas stuff. So it's like, all right, why why do it? Kind of same reason why movie studios dump their bombs in January. Because everyone's busy with New Year stuff. Yeah. No one's paying attention. No one's paying attention. Yep. Mm. Um, Well, do you want to start with Prodigy? Sure. Mm -hmm. So the last two episodes of Prodigy, episodes four and five, um, ended up being a two-parter, which we didn't know until the end of episode four and we went wait what right yeah (laughs) um where the the crew of the prodigy has to finally become a crew um and they did a lot of uh oh sorry i just got a work notification (laughs) sorry agonizer please (laughs) um (laughs) The uh, Dal and, and and the the rest of the crew are blithely trying to figure out where to go with their brand new starship, and they have um, Gwyn tied up, not tied up, but safely tucked away in the uh, brig, so she cannot escape or bring her father down upon them, uh, and and. Yeah. So, um, 
as they're going along, they find a planet that Janeway lets them know. It's like, well, as cadets, it's your duty to go explore. Here's an Here's an M-class planet. Go explore it. (laughs) Nothing ever happened. They're like, we don't want to. It's like, all right, that's going to end up on your record. (laughs) Which seems to be enough to threaten Dal into, fine, we'll go explore the planet. And then the first thing that she does is when they land on the planet is give them a car. What? <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, so they get to, you know, kind of explore the planet and, and check things out. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the planet that eats you. So yeah, it starts off pretty cool, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it seems to have everything you want. Whether that's mm-hmm. the the answers to uh, you know a mystery you're trying to solve, uh, food because you're hungry, um, or cute little fuzzy lovely things that that, that love you back. Like you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so sad. Or you know your dead parents. Right. <laughs> Don't well, ever trust. To. Sorry, I had a moment of guy in my head. Like, do you even watch the show? <laughs> right. <laughs> It's like, oh, it's a planet that seemingly gives you everything you want. It's like, this is, I've, I've seen like six Star Trek episodes across three series that have done that, and that never goes well. Uh, right. yeah, no, it has never worked. Never, yeah, always look a gift horse in the mouth, listeners, because that mouth is false. Mm-hmm. And shoot, you guys keep going. I have to deal with the thing I talked about right before the show started. So, okay. Real quick phone call. Okay, bye. bye. Um... Yeah, so on the plus side, they figure out pretty quickly that it's it's not uh, it's not an uninhabited planet, and uh, it's likely trying to kill them. the The planet itself is essentially a pitcher plant. Yes, yes, it is. It is a single sentient being uh, that Jenkum Pog uh, very uh, uh, accurately refers to as murder planets. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not a planet, but you know, semantics. Let's just... I, I enjoy the, the title Murder Planet, and I think Murder we Planet. just go with that. Yep. Um, what... I think the... Like, overall, it's... it's Both of these episodes are fun, and it's fun to watch them trying to get out of these horrible situations, which they do. Uh, I think the most important thing is that because the Murder Planet shows Gwyn what she most wants, and once it... The, the planet gives that to her she realizes that it's a trick yeah we touched like, on that last week yeah the whole it's, it's kind of heartbreaking that like mm-hmm. everyone else like has enough i guess like idealism or like positive vibes in their life you know despite most of them being former child slaves that they are willing to buy the lie but gwen sees the thing that she wants most and almost immediately recognizes it for the lie that it is. Mm-hmm. It's just really sad. Yep. I I think, did, did we actually touch on, we talked about episode four. I think you and I did. Yes. But, yes. We talked not... about, uh, which is the, this, that's the episode before terror firma. Right. Terror firma yeah, so was the second is... half of it. Mm-hmm. So terra, terra firma is the part that we haven't covered, right? Which picks up after they've realized that the 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 
the planet is trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. And after... when he's accidentally crashed the the ship and abandoned it, like basically set them all out together, and the ship is somewhere else, and they have to get back to the ship, and it's a race between them and the uh... our diviner. Our diviner, that's what they call him. General Our Grievous. diviner and his uh, knockoff General Grievous. Right. There wasn't any, hardly any of him in this episode, though. Nice. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the character, but he's not like a huge addition, I think, to... Uh... Mm-hmm. He's just there to be the, the scary murder robot. Right. He's He's Maximilian. Oh man, that robot's terrifying. Yeah, I, I thought you, that that was a reference just for you, Aaron. Just Thanks, for Cable. You. You're welcome. Watching Tony Perkins just get eviscerated through his guts in a Disney movie. <laughs> yep. uh, anyway, so Terra Firma kicks off with um, our diviner is here, and he gets on the ship and uh instead of saving Gwen, his daughter, and um and he tries to fly away, only to realize that he too has been duped by the nefarious murder planets. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it is a a pretty big catalyst for for Gwen and her actions and her motivations because now even though he didn't get what he wanted, he's and and later acts like he's happy to see her still alive she is not going to let go of the fact that he left her to die because what he wanted was in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she still has to sort of make amends, I think, with with Doll in particular. The rest of the gang was okay to keep her around, but Doll is pretty pissy about the fact that she led, that Gwen led, led our diviner to their location and, you know, and almost drove off with the ship without them. Mm-hmm. I, I think too, with Dahl, um, the way they seem to be setting up his character is that he, he, through the, the things that have happened to him and choices that he's had to make, his journey to doing the right thing takes two steps longer than everyone else Mm. at the very least, because he knows it's the right thing to do. He just still doesn't want to do it because he's 100% afraid. He's convinced that once he does it, it's going to bite him in the ass over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, Gwen is in a, a similar boat but not the same like you know like very different like backgrounds that are sort of mm-hmm. resulting in wrong choices being made but essentially you know she's been lied to about not i don't want to say about who she is but like why kind of like why why her family does what they do and like you know why they're subjugating people and and she sort of just believed it all along and is only now for the first time in her life having exposure to different beliefs essentially mm-hmm. um so i i find that pretty relatable like to like have an upbringing where like you sort of like are exposed to only shitty opinions and beliefs and then like 
it really doesn't take much for you to be like, oh, oh, I see. That's bad. Okay, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, but she still has to deal with Doll, like, being really resentful of anything she did, no matter how misinformed she was in doing so and how quickly she pivots to, to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, she's she's confronted with, oh, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. And I've been the bad guy the entire time. But she's, like, really owning that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that was really cool to see between the previous episode and this one is that she has learned, she, she realized that a lot of her training was specifically meant to be so that she would know how to pilot this ship, the protostar. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And that's what, and then we, we get that culminating moment at the, at, towards the end of Terra Firma, Firma where she is in the captain's chair and she knows how to activate the protostar and she does it in glorious defiance of mm-hmm. her father. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing that we finally got to and went, Oh, okay. So that's that's what this show is about. Is you have a ship that is built around a baby star, a baby star, as this goddamned engine, <laughs> which is interesting because that means it's the exact opposite of how Romulan warp drives work. Mm-hmm. Because what they create uh, Romulans, they don't have uh, antimatter. They are powered. They contain baby black holes. They're a singularity mm-hmm. drive. <laughs> yep. Um, which is why it's really dangerous when a Romulan ship blows up. Mm. At least that was the the TNG warbirds. I don't did they continue to do that with the um the Nemesis? Era I don't know. Warbirds? They've never they've never mentioned it beyond TNG, so I yeah. would assume that it's yeah. So Yeah, it's a, a tiny um artificially created quantum singularity. Yeah. That's at the core of their their warp drives. Which is if you're not careful is how you get Sam Neill plucking his eyes out and saying, "Do you see? Do you see?" Fuck, I love that movie so much. <laughs> I think I just watched a movie recently and it it felt I felt like it was really like pulling from from that same concept, but it wasn't a scary movie. You know, the front end of the event horizon looks an awful lot like the front end of a Romulan warbird. Kind of does, except the Romulan warbird gets spiky at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And Romulan mm-hmm. warbirds aren't laid out as the Notre Dame Cathedral. This is the also event, true. The event horizon is. No, they, they're they're more laid out like an 80s shopping mall to be quite honest well you gotta be able to handle <laughs> you gotta be able to handle the shoulder pads of Romulan uniforms and they need big ass big ass mm-hmm. halls yeah. so you need a lot of buttressing for that yeah mm-hmm. you do there's not enough like room on this new camera setup for for arm gestures yeah no well, you I have mean, to be right in camera yeah but I mean, this doesn't display the concept I mean of if you warned me there oh, make an arm oh, gesture there go. buttressing buttressing yeah you can't you, you can't buttress like this it's got to be like this there you go you're welcome i See, gave you that, buttress view buttress that, view buttress that right there view. that's when it's when it's the the bean arita show that's that's the the setting to put the camera on uh, <laughs> hey kids it's bean 
Oh, well, that is unsustainable. Let's 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 move away from that. Concept. Now I'm hearing the theme song to your show that always ends with "That's so bean." <laughs> anyway, I don't care for that one. It's too late. But, we'll, we'll, but we'll, yeah. no, we're workshopping that. Yeah, Protostar. So the Protostar um, warp drive is what we got to see at the end of Prodigy, uh, and we'll see how that turns out next and the other half of the season. That's true. Yes. Which so is in January. January. Really, it's just a month. And it's a busy month anyway, so it'll, it'll probably fly by. Yeah, I mean, because we've got Discovery to get us through December. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so season four kicked off a couple weeks ago. Um, kicked off strong. Like, I feel like I love season three of Discovery, but it took a few episodes to kind of get going. Mm-hmm. Season four is like we don't have to establish squat, <laughs> so, no. so punch it. Um, so we no, jump forward. Think, it's I, it's a six forward six months that they've something like that. Yeah, yeah. not too long. It's about four to six months. Yeah, long enough that they can have the first new cadets in Starfleet, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, and this one, um, Michael's, it opens with Michael basically giving a speech, uh, to the new cadets, but also being annoyed that the president of the Federation is making an appearance as well. And like, I get why Michael's annoyed, but I also get why the president should be there. Sorry, you're, you're skipping the cold open, which, uh, we absolutely have to talk about. That's right. (laughs) So let's start at the top. Yeah. Um, I am now going to completely blank on the name of this race, but Michael and Book are on a diplomatic mission to uh, to visit a a race space of fairies, space the butterfly fairies. people. Yes. They are space fairies, the space fae. I, I I'm more inclined to go with butterfly. Yeah, except they're not butterflies. They have symbiotic relations with their surroundings and the insects of their planet and they operate much like the fae okay no you're right you're right um i'm still calling them butterflies (laughs) fly their butterflies do it um so anyway so they're trying to reestablish diplomatic relationships with the space fae um and they are not having it um Basically, they whatever previous interactions they had had with the Federation was was not good, and they felt like the, uh, Starfleet was being advantageous because uh, they want um, because Starfleet wants their technology, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. we didn't get to learn a ton about uh, necessarily, but clearly it's pretty advanced because they have satellites that surround their entire planet. Um. And uh, and so those conversations, those that discussion goes awry pretty quickly because like like literally everything that Michael and uh, Book say is just wrong or is being interpreted negatively. This was by far the worst first contact I have ever seen. <laughs> it was bad, and it it's and it was not bad. a first contact. No. I think <laughs> no, I mean, it's a it's a hey, how's it been? It's been a, a you know eight hundred years. Hey, it's been a hot minute. How you doing? How are you doing? Still mad at us? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, those those guys like just like didn't want any of it. You know, they were um what's the word? They were pretty aggro. 
from from well, the get go. It it very much gave me shades of the opening of Star of Star Trek Beyond. It was like, <laughs> Where did they get it? It was a gift, so they stole it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I will where, say why don't they some... want it? Is it broken? <laughs> <laughs> there was some really classic Star Trek stuff in in that whole cold open. There's the misunderstandings, the the mm. running away. Why is there always a cliff? They even call out the fact that like yep. classic Star Trek problem. We're running and, away and coming and up on literally a cliff. saved by techno babble. Yep. They re- reverse polarities of the thing to put the satellites in order to give them the thing and the thing. They used some programmable matter, or was it dilithium to fix the satellites? And that uh, programmable their... matter. Programmable matter. They send the little bots out. I love those little mm-hmm. suckers. The dots. Yeah. Little cuties. Um, so yeah. Um, so, sorry, I was just. The the guy who was the head of the Space Fay mm-hmm. um, looked very familiar and sounded very familiar to me, but I couldn't place him. It's Alex McCuyai, who is best known as Jim Dickens from Letterkenny. I thought he looked familiar. So this is our first Letterkenny Star Trek crossover. Nice. <laughs> Wow. Uh, well, Norm's going to be loose. Disco Norm's gonna be, Yeah, he's going to be cut <laughs> loose on this one. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, Disco Kenny. That, that, that's what the season is now. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> um, that's, I think that's pretty much it for the cold open. They do end up escaping helping them, dropping off the dilithium, and then getting a call going like, that was that was nice of you to still leave that dilithium. Clearly, you know, like we did not have a good interaction with each other. Why'd you do that? And and Michael having the opportunity to say like, because we're good guys and we're gonna help you and we're not gonna ask for anything in return. Mm-hmm. Right. No strings attached. I think this this is shows you that universal translator or no, stop using idioms. <laughs> I did kind of like that. I mean, that particular idiom was not um, the problem. The the no, think... the no strings attached. They 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 understood that part. Um, they mm-hmm. just really did not want to like anything they said. Or the no. fact that they brought a carnivore to their obviously herbivore planet. Mm-hmm. Right, but like they were being super reactive about everything. Like they were just very antagonistic yeah, during the whole. It exchange and it was never going to go well. I don't think, I don't think they could have said anything different necessarily that was going to make it be uh, a better outcome. They just have a lot of negative feelings about the Federation and they, you know, it was going to go that way no matter what. Space Fay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't piss off the Fay. And never ask. And how do you not piss off the Fay? Talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> Say anything. Um, I did like that. The, I did like that the idiom joke kind of went through the entire episode until he says the shit's going to hit the fan. Oh, mm-hmm. right, and, and, the, and the Saru kind of gave her uh, shit show. Or yeah, shit show. That was it. And Saru gave her that look. She's like, he's like, it's a, it's an earth. 
I understand what it means, Tilly. <laughs> also, I'm glad Saru's back pretty fast. I'm, yeah. I'm just pretty happy about that. Yep. Um, That's jumping ahead, but yeah, yeah. Having yeah. Saru back is great. Yeah. Um, I think that the, for me, the, the uh, opening episode aptly called Kobayashi Maru. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that it did that now that Michael Burnham is captain of the Discovery, it, it did the thing that I was hoping that Discovery would do, which was on air as part of the story, have the conversation of you're Michael Burnham. You do the unexpected all the time and pull off the impossible as much as possible. Guess what you can't do in the captain's chair? Any of that. You have to stop being Michael Burnham, the first officer, the science officer, the specialist, the the former trader. You have to be Michael Burnham, the captain. Yeah. And I saw some thoughts on that where people were kind of upset that the, you know, the president kind of put her in her place and that the admiral kind of. And it was, and the thought was that, like, if it was like, I mean, a lot of the read on this was like, if it wasn't a black woman, they wouldn't have talked her that way. And I'm like, no, that's not it. Like, the captain can't act that way anymore. And I get, and I, like, that crossed my mind too, where I'm like, that I don't know if that's a good look. And it's going to, this is going to happen if you talk down to a black woman captain on modern TV. But I agree with you, Aaron. Right. I mean, because you've got to, the, the, yeah, you're. I mean, I know we're not. I I feel like we're tr- we're supposed to not like the president. So far, actually, I don't have a big problem with her. I'm sure she's not telling the whole truth, but so far, she's not being completely wrong. That I disagree. Mm. I she's not wrong about like why she's doing things or like why she challenges Michael and why she says Michael's not ready. She's not wrong about those things, but she has a real shitty way of doing it. Oh yeah. You know, like if you're good at it, if you're going to challenge a captain on her bridge in the middle of some like real time sensitive shit, it needs to fucking go somewhere. You can't just be like asking a question is not the same as questioning you. Well, which is it? Because we're trying to do a thing right now. Either resolve whatever problem you have with with what's happening in real time, or keep your mouth shut and wait until it's actually safe to 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 talk about it. And and also don't like dress down the captain of the ship on her own bridge in front of her bridge crew. It, it's just there's a lot wrong, and I, I I mean I'm looking at it from like a pretty like military. No, you're not wrong on that viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm yeah. I she, guess what she's I mean, doing it wrong. She's doing it wrong because I would have loved a scene after that moment where, well, I think eventually she and Michael actually have a conversation and Mike, well, for all intents and purposes, Michael's ready room. Mm-hmm. I would have loved a line for of Captain Burnham to be like, and also like, Madam President, don't you ever dress me down on the bridge ever again, unless you flat out want to remove me from power. Like at that moment, but don't ever do that again. I uh, I think that um, the admiral's line before they left is why she didn't. 
because the Admiral reminded her the President wasn't asking permission to come aboard. She was telling Michael what was going to happen. Right. She outranks both of them. Mm-hmm. And while I I don't know that I necessarily agree or disagree with her approach. She, I do think that that needed to happen to Burnham. Um, the only difference was that it happened from someone who she, none of them were familiar with. If Saru had been on the bridge instead, mm-hmm. Saru would have been the one that went, what are you doing? But he would have also phrased it in such a way that, Burnham would listen to him. Yeah. But the the message that that they are feeding Burnham also came from Book at the beginning of the show. Book told her the same thing. It's like, you've got to knock this shit off. It's like, you need to change your approach. And she could, she could, you know, tell Book everything was fine. She does not like the fact that the president has her number. I don't, I don't think, or... The assessment that uh, Burnham made about the president, I think, is completely 100% wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I think and I, I think, think she's projecting. It, she is projecting, and I also think that I think part of the president's background ha- ha- helps that. She's, mm-hmm. she's a boomer. She, <laughs> she, grew up on, she grew up on a freight. So Not that she, kind of boomer. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm using an enterprise term. She's a... <laughs> They call them boomers. Right. It's Not. just, it's still funny. Um, okay. But no, she, yeah, you're she, right. she grew up only knowing artificial gravity, recycled air. Mm-hmm. Death is like literally six inches away from you if that hole breaches. Like that's, mm-hmm. that, that was her life. But if you're, if you're, you can't, you can't challenge someone's decisions and not like, take go somewhere with it and they're just standing there staring at each other and michael's like are you pulling me from the chair or not because i got shit to do it's yeah um i know she has her reasons and like i know that like the end goal of what she's doing you know is is correct but i I am i'm still bothered by how how she she did it i mean sure It's, it's not like that hasn't happened in trek before I mean, fucking Doomsday Machine. Spock flat out tells Commander Decker, like, you're being an idiot and suicidal. Suicidal is grounds for dismissal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Decker's like, you're bluffing. He's like, no, I'm not. It's like, I am a Vulcan, sir. Yeah, Vulcans <laughs> never bluff. And so Decker's got the option right there of play ball or be relieved of command. Like, that's just flat out it. So it's not like Spock had an alternative to whatever. Spock was like, we need to run. You know, yep. fuck you, Spock. We're like, well, then... I, I I saw it as like I, I think it is supposed to be a divisive moment on the bridge for yeah. viewers to kind of get talking about, but I, I also think it is in line with any any character we've seen question the standing captain on any show. Like this has happened like in TOS and TNG, DS9, Voyager. Mm-hmm. Like I think that was every other episode of Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. Paul's like, oh, what the fuck are you doing, human? Speaking <laughs> of Enterprise, uh, ah, the Archer yes. Space Dock, and we got the Archer theme. 
not too proud to say I legit like had it like rolled a tear on that. I was like, oh. So when that whole scene played out, yeah, Denise now, just now rolls her eyes around. at every mention of Emmer Brockes. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, which, it was it was well it was very nicely done. Mm-hmm. The um the that whole scene was an homage to a scene from Enterprise where they had all come back from the Zindi War, mm-hmm. and the president of Earth was meeting with a bunch of new people from different planets and trying to put the Federation together for the first time. And he takes a moment to acknowledge the entire crew and they're all up on the balcony going, hi, this is awkward. Hi. Yeah. Like as soon as the president did that at uh, the, the Federation president uh, did that for the, um, for the cadets and did that. And thank you to the, to the discovery crew for saving this. It's like, Oh, they're doing an homage to, to Enterprise, that's neat, and then rolled right into, and here is Archer Space Dock, and I'm like, oh man, I know. Nope. My my hand went immediately to my mouth to stifle um, a squeal. Um, also, really quick, like everyone, everyone on the bridge crew, bridge crew just got like upped in rank. Yep. Yeah, which I wish had been on screen. Me too, because Tilly's a lieutenant now, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, Detmer, Owoshikun, Reyes, and Bryce are all lieutenant commanders now. Owosukun. Owosukun, sorry. Yep. That's why her nickname is Owo. Right. I can see why they didn't uh, make an allotment for that, because they already had the, the time spent on the inaugural stuff for uh, the cadet program. You know, taking off again. Yeah. So you, that, that already there, you've got Michael giving a speech and the president giving a speech, um, and clearly we're like getting right into the action with this season. So yeah, and I I think I could have done without the screwed up um, or, or the botched re um, new first contact with the aliens with the space fay. And have gone for a more focus on the bridge crew, which I is mean, still going to be my thing with the show. It's like, I, I, I want to see more of the bridge crew. I get that. But you, even though it's all about everyone on the show, the captain's always going to be the main character and you have to establish her emotional place at the beginning. And that opening does that. Sure. It sets the tone for how the season's going to play out. I mean, so I get that to an extent. That's um, true. Cause it does, it does involve that, that cold open does involve all of the, pretty much all of the, the key characters on the ship and all of the uh, stuff doing, also that like doing their thing. Yeah. And also the stuff that book's going to have to deal with really quickly because the book's attitude is you can't save everything. Mm-hmm. You can't always win, Michael. Let's just beam the fuck out of here. And then the episode ends with literally Book not being able to save anything, mm-hmm. anyone, at all. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's my one kind of minor complaint, and maybe it will play out as the season goes. I'd really like Discovery to not have a season that involves the end of the galaxy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would be kind of nice, and I get that Strange New Worlds is going to be more episodic, and I don't need Discovery. In fact, I don't want Discovery to be episodic, 
But the fate of the galaxy so far has been every season, and I'm like, okay. Like, maybe it could just be a world? Like, really dial in and make it personal? But, I mean, okay. I mean, it is what it is, so, but... Mm -hmm. Um, that, yeah, I, I think the the I don't want it to be, and this is kind of jumping ahead to the the next episode, which is anomaly. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to be. I don't want there to be a bad guy at the opposite end of this. Like right, yeah. I'm, Largely because I would, I think Trek does best when they're trying to solve a problem, not defeat an enemy. Mm. Yeah, part of me hopes this anomaly is being created by something coming into existence, not seeking destruction. Yeah, Merrick's Um, Merrick's theory is straight up, this is an old school TOS era giant monster. uh, The anomaly itself is a creature. So I have a that would weird, make the most sense. I have yeah. a weird and super wanky theory, which we're only two episodes in, so it's gonna be raw. So the end of episode two, when the camera keeps pulling out as they show the energy wave. Mm-hmm. Indeed, the eye shape thing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. also the same shape as the energy wave of V'ger once it disappears over Earth and goes to where they have no idea. Looking that up right now. So, like, what hmm. if V'ger has spent this time growing and is like, okay, now it's time to be reborn? And again, feel... that is so wanky and so it out is. of left field. Here would be my counter to that. We just... The, the end of season two was all about stopping a future AI from reaching backwards cross time to destroy but, everything. But here's the thing. I don't want V'ger to be a villain. V'ger is right. fulfilling its thing and it's that they can have a choice. Okay, we mm-hmm. can either destroy this thing that is clearly a sentient galaxy or we can find a way for it to reach its final stage of evolution without wiping us out too. Wouldn't mm. that be cool? That would be. I would. I would appreciate that. That's kind of my... And the and like the weird meta marketing person in me is like, and also in January, Paramount Plus is debuting the 4K director's cut uh, edited Star Trek the motion picture, <laughs> where everyone's going to see a brand new, super pretty version of Viger, mm-hmm. which I am so pumped for that. Oh, jeez! The older I get, the more I love the motion picture more and more, which is probably I... just means like, Aaron, you're getting old. So. <laughs> I'm going to sit through that, aren't I? Yes, yes, I am. Oh hell yeah, man! I'm gonna, I'm gonna put on a white jumpsuit, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna sit in my chair when they're in the wormhole. Just and <laughs> 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 I'm gonna speak. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. Try not to try not to look at the lack of dancing belts on any of the men on those uniforms. It's really awkward. You can tell everyone's religion in the motion picture. Is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. Thanks. It's like sitting behind the table at a comic convention and all the Spider-Men coming by. Ugh. It's like, come on. 
dancing belt people. Yep. Hell yeah, Brad. I got to get my medallion. Get my disco bones on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Best. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping it's not some... Like, I, I don't... I don't know who they would have left as enemies at this point. Um, I mean, clearly the, the, the Federation president is part Cardassian, which mm-hmm. brings up a lot of other questions. Yeah. Part Cardassian, part Bajoran and part human. Which, well, no, that could just be Bajoran and Cardassian. No, it, she's listed as also part human. Oh, I did. Not I mean, so actually, I just I thought parent, she was just Cardassian. I did not. So, even... She's yeah, if she was all Cardassian, then she'd be gray and have lizard neck. And... Yeah, well, I thought kinda, that was just. She's kind of got was just sort of an evolution thing, you know. Yep. So well, it's it's interesting. It, I think it was never officially made canon, but like probably right around season two or three of DS Nine, they put out a book called "The Worlds of the Federation" mm-hmm. or "The Worlds of Star." It was a gorgeous art book, but on the Cardassian installment. It talks about this uh, archaeological dig on Cardassia Prime, where they're like finding like ancient, ancient fucking Kardashian or Kardashians, Cardassians. Cardassian, yeah. Uh, like this birthing, like this you know hieroglyphs of a birthing chamber, and there are Bajorans there, and the child is a Bajoran and Cardassian, and the whole ramification is like, yeah, at one time we were one people, and there was a split, and then this write up in the book they mention like we can't say this because if this reaches the zeitgeist of the Cardassian people, all of our attempts to become a military government with the Bajorans as our slave labor is going to, is going to look bad if we find out that we're actually all one race at one time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of mm-hmm. like that they're going back to that. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah. She's got the nose ridges. I just, I just didn't even really like process that. I guess I didn't either. It, like I kept looking at her thinking, I, I can't place this alien. It was Merrick that went, she's Cardassian. I'm like, oh yeah. Wait, she I, is, but she's pink. <laughs> I only, yeah, I, I, my brain just said that's a Cardassian. That's cool. I guess that's different now. But I just, I did not um, receive yeah, any of the other details as as noteworthy. It it sounds like then, like one parent was half Cardassian and half Bajoran, and the other parent is human. Mm-hmm. So. They, which, like, is also kind of the future of all humanity anyway, where it's like, yeah, we're all just going to be multiracial <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I feel like if we don't wipe, our, wipe ourselves out, like a thousand years from now, we're all going to just be like a, you know, light mocha colored. Mm-hmm. Mm. I know we're all like... Ethnically ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can just go... Where are you? I'm I'm an Earthling. Terran. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Terran. Terran. Um, I prefer Gaian. I just like saying Terran. Yeah. But that's... Or, yeah. or Earther. <laughs> Get the Klingon thing. Earthers. Home on. <laughs> I like that we got to see another Ferengi in the Federation. Or in yeah. Starfleet. Yeah, that was uh, cool. I, I thought that was a nice nod to um, what Nog has started in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. 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 I do believe one of the ships is also the USS Nog. 
I think they named it's named in season three. It's uh, it's the USS Eisenberg. Eisenberg, that's it, not Nog. You're right. Oh Eisenberg. yeah, we talk. I remember us yeah, talking was, about it when it, it happened. Was it was after, after the they actor. discover the the fleet, right. what's left of it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, we know the Starfleet's developing a new spore drive to test it on Voyager J. Yeah, I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like that was a narrative Chekhov's gun that's going to show up later in this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping with the the whole. Yeah, th- sorry, I lost the train of thought. I, I I mostly I enjoyed getting to see more of the the bridge crew in episode two. Um, uh, I still really appreciate that Detmer is one of the cockiest pilots ever. <laughs> As all pilots should be. The the one thing that I was confused about is. Like I'm glad to see everyone got promotions. I I like the new uniforms. I like that they are also very asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. What kept throwing me off is that Detmer is in a gold uniform, and pilots traditionally are command division, not operations. Hmm. Uh... And the only thing that I could come up with that makes any sense is that. Emily Couts is a redhead, and they didn't want to put her in a red shirt. Well, and I think, in a weird way, I kind of think the role-playing game touches on that. You can be Helm, but not choose the command path. Interesting. So I think it has to do with some of her background training, if she's more comes from ops. So... It also just could be, you're right, it could be a color balance thing of the bridge. Yeah, it could be. You know. um, also, it's I'm really great ex- to see blue on that bridge again, too. Oh my god, right? That was always my one of my issues with Voyager, is that there was not enough blue. Like in the show period, there was not enough blue. No, and it was a science vessel. Yeah. That's, I was, oh my god, I was so annoyed that they never put Seven in a uniform. Well, the same reason why I was annoyed they never put fucking Troy in a uniform until halfway through season six. Yep. Um, although... Speaking of counselors, I am really enjoying Culper's evolution from physician to counselor. It's mm-hmm. happening very naturally. Like they're they're yeah. really like laying the groundwork early and often, but it doesn't necessarily feel shoehorned in. It all works with the the current story as it's as it is so far. Right, and it also gives room for Commander Pollard, played by uh, Raven uh, Dauda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love her doctor because she's just so. She's kind of got the best, like her personality, the way she plays her. She's like this weird little combo of like Pulaski and Bones. Of like, look, I'm going to fix you, but sit down, shut up. <laughs> if mm-hmm. I tell you not to move, don't move. I have don't to go move. repair the ship. Not if you're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're useless, dead. So I love how she plays that doctor. So I'm hoping to see more of her this season. <clears throat> yeah, that will be nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I think, for me personally, this has been the strongest start for Discovery for me. Mm, I agree with that. Um, season one, season one had an odd start for me. I always felt season one should have opened with the Battle of the Binary Stars going badly and then flashbacking to the actual opening two episodes. 
I know it would have been weird for people, but that made an interesting narrative choice that way. That way you're thrown right into it. I often tell people when they start, if they're about to start to watch Discovery, depending on, on how old school of a Trekkie they are, mm-hmm. I will tell them to start with episode three and go to episode, f- go three, four, five, then one, two, and then continue on. That mm. totally tracks, yeah. Because if you... If you're uh, brand new to Trek or don't have as much Trek background, start at the beginning. It's fine. Um, it was when I encountered people who'd been watching Trek for years. I was like, I don't, it didn't sit right with me and I don't know why. I'm like, okay. And then I watched them again. I'm like, this is the order you have to watch them in. And I've told yeah. people that and some of them have gone, oh yeah, it made more sense because I started watching and I didn't know who this person was and right. why everybody hated her and I immediately felt for her and everyone just was Ex- awful to her all the I time. I think that's what I meant. Start with yeah. her in prison, basically. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, so yeah, season, episode three. Yeah, you start with episode three and you just see everybody shit on her for three episodes. It's like, man, what did the hell did she do? And then you watch <laughs> one and two and go, oh, no wonder everyone's mad at her. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, that was a dick move. <laughs> um, season two opens really strong for me because season two's Pike. got that great Pike, great opening. And then episode two, New Eden, which is still, New Eden might be in my top 10 Trek episodes ever. I adore that episode. I think it just hits so many great Trek notes. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so season two started strong. Again, season three took a few for me, but season four has hooked me immediately. Um, and I think it helps that all the characters are more comfortable. The writing staff feels more stable, which really helps. Yeah. Um, Season three is weird, though, because that's, you know, that's the time jump one. And so they have to like oh, yeah. reestablish a lot of, of stuff. Yep. Yeah. In a weird way, season three is almost. Apart from all the same characters in the ship, it's almost a brand new show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It largely is. Yeah, and, it's it's a it hard gave, reset to that show. And it gave a better opportunity to reintroduce the entire bridge crew and give them more of a voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no and more it, relying on uh, cameo, not cameo, but like, you know, ex- existing characters to be popping in for, mm-hmm. for right. whatever reason. Yep. And, it, and it shook off the one thing that was always, for better or worse, going to hamper it in that... If this is 10 years before TOS, how come we don't know anything about this? So season three allows that to just go away. Yep. Um, which, by the way, I still hear people complaining about this. That is why it is Discovery A. It's why it's why 1031A. Mm-hmm. Because it got a refit. It got well, no, it got destroyed. Oh, right. So they had, and also because if they had, if they acknowledge it was the same discovery, it's a violation of the tol- uh, temporal laws, and it will start a war. Right. So this discovery, even though it's the same ship, is, is it is a refit. It's ten thirty one dash A, and it's only the top brass that acknowledge that that is yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The C and C knows. The president knows. Everyone else yeah. is like, oh, they were just a ship that was lost out there, and they came home. Yeah, gotcha. that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, yeah, Smalls. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I know it's wanky. I love the magnetic nacelles now. <laughs> They're cool. Mm-hmm. They're cool. Same the, reason the why it, themselves, yeah. it makes no sense in Voyager, but I love that Voyager goes like I look. You give me, you give me, you give me 
moving parts on a starship, and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Same reason why I love Birds of Prey. Like, look at they moving parts. That's awesome. The the protostar also has moving the cells. It does, but it has an odd number in the cells, which messes with my head. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I'm excited for jumping to some Marvel. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Before we jump into the the, uh, the Marvel talk, this is a good time to take a break and talk about our sponsors. First up, of course, we have Guardian Games. They have been our longest sponsor. They have been here since day one, and we are so happy for them to be part of the Geek in the City Radio family. Hmm, what a sweet opening. And speaking of families, if you have that gamer in your family and you're not quite sure what to get them, you can always get a Guardian Games gift certificate. That way, you're guaranteed that the gamer nerd in your life is going to get exactly what they want. However, if you don't want to give them a gift card, you're still not quite sure what games they like, you probably know what kind of genres they're into. Like, do they like, I don't know, they like fantasy, do they like sci-fi, mysteries, whatever. What I'm getting at is that there is likely an RPG or a board game that follows that genre. So when you go to Guardian Games, you can just flat out start talking to one of their amazing uh, employees that work there, and they will help you narrow down what kind of game you know the person in your life may want. You know what they're into? Are they do they like competitive? Do they like cooperative? Long games, short games, even solo games. There are so many varieties of games out there, and the amazing folks at Guardian Games will help you lock that in. So check them out. 345 Southeast <laughs> 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, please give them a big old thanks for sponsoring our show, Geek in the City Radio. And then before we get back to the show, uh, another uh, thanks to our sponsor, Bridge City Comics, one of the finest comic book shops in Portland. But don't take my word for it. Go yourself. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue here in Portland, Oregon. Um, so it's towards the end of the year and you're going to start seeing, you know, the 10 best blah, 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 graphic novels, comics of, of 2021, you know, those are going to start coming out now from all the different, you know, comic sites and whatnot. And if one of them sounds interesting, there's a good chance you can get it on the shelf right now at Bridge City Comics, or they can order it for you. That's just how they do. And also don't forget that Saga is coming back January of 2022. So Saga's been gone for a while. Uh, no one forgot about it, but, you know, of course. But uh, if you want to make sure that you don't miss a single issue of Saga coming back, it's coming back at issue 55, make sure you have a subscription box at Bridge City Comics. And Michael will make sure, Michael and everyone who works there, will make sure that you don't miss a single issue of your favorite space sci-fi opera adventure series. I never quite know how to classify Saga, other than great. So, yeah, there it is, coming back January of 2022. Get your subscription going now at Bridge City Comics. And while you're doing that, please thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. Uh, Denise, did you watch uh, Hawkeye? I did, yes. Okay. So, I wanted to start with that one, if that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I realized that we said we were, you know, we aimed to talk about to talk about all of the Marvels and all of the Star Treks, but I think Shang Chi probably deserves its own show. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it was like I was like ah, it came out wrong. Um, I think it deserves more time than we might be able to give it today. Sure, I, I, I think also if we just do it in little drips, 
over the next few episodes. That, that's also like we talk, we still talked a little bit about it before, like not last week, but the week before. We'll we'll, we'll just keep bringing it up. Um, Hawkeye. So I'm going to start with this because I want to get this point across real quick. Whether or not you've watched Hawkeye, or if you've watched Hawkeye, whether or not you like it, if you are talking about it on social media and saying, I love the show, it's great, or I hate the show, here's why. If you're on social media, please tag Disney and please bring up, regardless of how you feel about it, the fact that David Asia needs to be credited and paid for the fact that his design work from his run on Hawkeye with Matt Fraction needs to be acknowledged uh, on the show because it is a heavy, heavily influenced design work for that show, Mm -hmm. Uh, for the opening credits, for all of the promotional material. Um, Marvel is the one that made the decision not to do that. So go directly to Disney, tag Disney in all of your posts, say that you love the thing and that you also want this to happen. That is how just being mad about it on the internet isn't going to change the thing. Bring them into the conversation. I guarantee you that the entire social media department for Disney pays attention to these things and will bring it up if you make them part of the conversation. No, I agree because I see people talking about it. Uh, I believe my well, my favorite one was it. like my favorite thing about watching Hawkeye was seeing Matt Fraction's name in the credits. My yeah. least favorite thing was not seeing David Aja's name in the credits. I'm like, that is uh, that is a good review. Uh, a, a brief, a brief but decent commentary on mm-hmm. you know the show, which is just just as a concept. But no one is going to see it besides your friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want, yeah, that's how social media works. Sure, it's designed for you to bitch about things, just your friends, because to be honest, that's all social media is ever supposed to do. You're just shouting into the void. Sometimes people listen, sometimes they Mm -hmm. don't. Right. If you think you're doing anything else with it, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, However, if you want to complain about a thing and want it changed, make the company that's involved part of that conversation. And then they will show you their ass or they won't. Mm. <laughs> like Disney will either go, nah, we don't care. And that will um, tell you what I mean, you should do with And I also know for reasons that it's not Disney's full call. No, I just Marvel, mentioned it. Marvel's, it was Marvel's. Yeah, Marvel Studios is a bit more culpable on this one. It, they are. Yeah. So talk I, just, to a norm, I saw a norm that said House of the Mouse did that. It's... It's more. It's more Marvel Studios than, yep. than Disney. Marvel did, but it. it's but it's no but it's no one person's call. I'm sure. And right. and and to right. and to get the conversation moving is is how it changes. So yeah, and also Disney could tell Marvel, hey, you're crediting both. You're paying. You're, and Marvel will say, okay. Mm-hmm. This also gets back into that longer conversation that we have been having for years about this is why comics need a union. This is why artists and writers need representation. Yeah, I know. This is why you don't have comics without a writer or without an artist. They are, it yeah. is the combination of both. It is a group project. 
Yeah, because I feel like eventually we're going to get the full Pizza Dog episode, and if they follow the comics at all, there's going to be very little dialogue in that episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to do that, but I mean, yeah. Which, epi- you know, issues that don't have dialogue, they still require writing. Oh, yeah, no, they do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They take a lot of writing, actually, because you have to help convey the emotional content with the artist. Sometimes the general reader has to be reminded of that. They'll go, oh, look, the writer just took it off and the artist did all the work. It's like, that's not true. That's like saying issues where the writer has written a lot of dialogue and there's hardly any room for art. Well, the artist still had to figure out how to make room for all that dialogue. Storyboarding is still a thing. Anyway. All that aside, I mean, also, I mean, think about it. There have been some Alan Moore comics where that's just been art on the page. Trust me, Alan Moore wrote mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot. Um, see, also Grant Morrison pages that maybe don't have any dialogue on them. Trust oh, me, Grant Morrison sake. wrote a lot. Absolutely. These people have footnotes for their footnotes. Anyway. <laughs> All uh, right, well, let's talk about the the show, the events yeah. of the show. All of that said, I loved. The show. The show's I really enjoyed fun. That I, um, I enjoyed it. It really a lot wants to be Shane Black. I would. Oh, sorry, Bean. I apologize. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, I, don't, I don't know that it wants to be Shane Black necessarily. Just because it happen, it's happening during Christmas. Well, and also I'm, that, I'm so tired and of also, that argument. Well, also on that cliff is grumpy and curmudgeon, and he's the burned out here who doesn't want to do this anymore. I mean, um, but that's that's the natural evolution of that character right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do like that, even though it's meant to be a funny bit, the beginning, the Steve Rogers musical, mm-hmm. I like that they're acknowledging that Cliff is not over losing uh, Natasha. Why would he be? I know, why would he be? I'm glad they're not glancing over that. Like, that's his, like... That is like breaking him. That's the thing that's hard on him. Like if, well, we don't know exactly when in 2023, uh, the final fight, the, the end game fight happened. Right. We still think it's fairly early in the year. So it has been at most 10 months. Mm-hmm. Right. Since the, since those events happened. And that is clearly, like, Clint has only been back with his family for that amount of time. He has not processed anything. Um, as Merrick pointed out, it's like, this is this is why he was the star of the Hurt Locker. Mm-hmm. Because he does uncomfortable boxing up of emotions really well. God, I love that movie so much. It's so hard to watch. I don't think I ever saw it. It's so much fucking tension. Mm. It is. You know what it's about, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think that's yeah. part of why I didn't watch it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, it's rough, but I mean, it's so good. But you spend a lot of that movie going, fuck, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do appreciate that uh, Clint Barton in the comics was deaf, and that the evolution of Clint Barton in the MCU has been also now needing hearing, hearing aids to hear is right. great. Um, He's basically like the closest thing to a standard war hero that the MCU has right now. 
Correct. Because yeah. even the one that was literally a war hero still had superpowers. Yes. Right. No, he's a, he's a regular ass human and he has post traumatic issues. He has he has hearing loss. He has mm-hmm. like generalized anxiety around like crowds and certain situations. Um he's like just he dissociates sometimes. Just yep. some mm-hmm. really like classic post war behavior and, and yeah. like internalizing. Um I do love that the relationship with his wife is not that cliche of like, how dare you cliff all the time. She's like, you know, on the phone with him and she's like, how bad is it? And he's like, it's not that bad. I need to clean it up. She's like, all right, like you promised the kids, but please be, she's not doing that superhero spouse thing of like, you're always picking or I didn't sign up for this life. Like she's being, it's the, she's not like a more, realistic approach honestly she's not a cop yeah it is and it's better to see it um from that standpoint like she's definitely coming at it from an angle of like he had to deal with the fact that we were dead for five years Mm -hmm. right i've i've been in that relationship where like Oh, you know, like the, your your career is more important than than me or whatever. I'm like this was this was always the situation before you were around, and you you came in to my you know orbit, knowing what that was going to entail, and now you're going to make my life harder by never being okay with it. That's mm-hmm. it's it's tired. It's fucking tired, and it doesn't yeah. really like. I mean, it can be, but I've never seen it happen where, like, developmentally, those two characters grow from that shitty dynamic. Right. No. Versus this dynamic where he's like, yeah, it's the tracksuit mafia. And her response is, those assholes? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was great. That was wonderful to watch. Speaking of which, it's got a really great supporting cast. Yeah, it is. Um... I had no idea that Vera Famiga, Vera, uh, Famiga Formiga. was in Formiga. Mm-hmm. Formiga. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Thank you. I, her name I know how to pronounce, oddly enough. Mainly because I'm a big fan of hers. I, I always like her. Well, she's her in all the Conjurings. Mm-hmm. That helps. Um, well, she's also, she plays Norman's mother in Bates Motel. Oh, oh. So good. I did not um, realize. Yeah. yeah, she's a great actress. She's great. Um. The villain is a way deep cut from Marvel. I just found out that that today. I figured because it, the way that they presented that character, I was like, they're really not giving me much. So it probably means yeah. they're telling people who understand or like who are familiar. They're telling them a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, they basically have replaced Bat Rock the Leaper with this guy. I mean, that's, the same level of, of uh, villain quality. Deep, yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, his his costume was not dissimilar from Hawkeye's comic book costume. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of purple and black mm-hmm. and weird strappy bits. But with swords. With, but with swords. But with swords. What if Hawkeye but with swords? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much what he is. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, yes, Norm, I agree with you also on that. Um, 
Yeah, and I love Haley, but I've always loved her. I loved her when I first saw her in True Grit. Uh, Norm pointed her out in Bumblebee, which, again, if you have not seen Bumblebee, go. Stop sleeping on Bumblebee. Stop Sorry. Bumblebee. Sorry. It's, it's legit good. You watched Bumblebee, didn't you, B? No. Oh, so okay. Good. Go watch Bumblebee. Yeah. Okay. Log off now. Go watch Bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> now that she's gotten cable. Haley Stanfield. Bumblebee is what you get when you remove Michael Bay from Transformers. <laughs> oh, well, that's all you had to say. Yeah. Oh, we have. We've said it repeatedly. We have. Oh, man. The first opening. Bumblebee is. Movie. Bumblebee is everything that we actually wanted out of all of the Transformers movies. Just a decade too late. Yeah. Yes. With with John Cena having the greatest line in the history of all of Transformers lore. <laughs> when the military is trusting the Decepticons and John Cena's character goes, are we really going to trust them? Like, they're called the Decepticons. Like, <laughs> why, are they, why are we listening to them? They have the lead on this. But they're, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> it's in their name. They call themselves the Decepticons. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just that uh, one thing that everyone overlooked for 40 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, uh, yeah, Haley Stanfield was fabulous in Bumblebee. Um, mm-hmm. She is the heart of that movie. And if you did not... What that movie got right was you needed to connect with the human characters in your giant robot movie or nobody cares because then it's just a a video game that you it's a video game cutscene that you're watching mm-hmm. instead you have a legitimate connection between your lead human actor and your giant robot and you believe it and they are so to have her then come in and play Kate Bishop to a goddamn T so <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, is she is she doing a good job? I couldn't. I wouldn't know. <laughs> so I've heard people on the internet complain that they've had the complaint of, why did they have to make Kate Bishop this blonde, this not blonde, the, this uh, privileged, entitled white girl? Like she's just this rich, entitled white girl. I'm like, yeah, that's Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop <laughs> is rich, entitled, white, and also. Oh. Inhumanly skilled as an archer. Did they not? Read by the way, it? by the way, no. you're, there's only oh. two options for having an incredible archer child, mm-hmm. and one is if they're a total backwoods, like off-grid family, mm-hmm. or insanely rich with expensive white people hobbies. Yep. Mm-hmm. She probably also knows how to ride horses. We already know she's like mm-hmm. a fucking like state champion level martial artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's rich people shit, man. I was just about to say, there's also the reason why you're really good at horses. You grew up on a ranch, dirt poor, or you're fucking loaded and you got to play with horses every day. Yep. There's what is no that, middle that, ground. So that, that's, uh, that's on the, those are all on the list of like trashy versus cl- uh, classy. Yep. So Hawkeye comes from the, the former... Uh, or the, the, the latter category, yeah, mm-hmm. the latter category where he was, he comes from poor circus folk. Circus folk? I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah, he he started out as a supervillain and worked. Uh, mm-hmm. All of his skill came from um, being around carnies mm. and being raised by carnies. Also, um, the fencing—that is hella right, rich people shit. Oh yeah, totally. Um, Whereas Kate Bishop 
Kate Bishop thinks she's fucking invincible and also has a lot of goddamn money. Really uh, quick, really what? quick. I have to. I have to throw something in here. You know what? You don't have to be rich to enjoy the fine products from PDX Asylum. Thirty-seven, thirteen, Southeast Hawthorne <laughs> Boulevard. Across the street from the historic Baghdad Theater. Yeah, uh, they just added giant, like Bob Ross style, paint by number canvases. Oh wow! I gotta go check these out. Yeah, they're really oh, cool. I used to I'm love seeing paint by number. It guys. comes with. I don't know if you knew that. And the brushes that you need. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. linen canvases. Oh my gosh, I might have to do that. Wow, those look massive. Yeah. I love it. Really cool. You know what this is? This is the new version of the the gradient puzzle where it's super hard because it's just like one ombre thing of colors. This is that now. It's super hard, challenging paint by numbers. But I feel like it'd be relaxing. Yes. Um, I'm also on their Facebook page looking at their new bottle opener. Um, It's pretty. It confuses me. Oh, the birds? I like the flying bird bottle opener. Oh, it's well, a yeah, bird. Why is it... yeah. Oh, that, that was what was confusing is the shape. You know what? I think I read bottle opener and metal sculpture and then I stopped. I didn't see of a bird. But now that they say that, I'm like, oh, it is a bird. Yeah, Never it's mind. A bird. I, am, I am no longer confused. I enjoy Huzzah. that it's like, it has like it has like a little balancey thing on it or that it is a little balancey guy. Mm-hmm. It's so it's 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 art. It's useful. It's abstract, also, so you know it's classy. It makes me think like, of the seventies and Jonathan Livingston Siegel for some reason. Oh my god! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that and fucking come with me, lesbian Siegel. <laughs> Neil Diamond on man. Was... Bean, I kind of feel like you'd like a heart uh, paperweight too. They got all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, the anatomically correct heart? Yeah, yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. But don't get me that. I have no use for a paperweight. Well, I wasn't going to. I just said you might <laughs> good, like it. Good, Well, you know, it's that time of year. However, there are probably other people that would also love that, or the, the uh, anatomically correct brain paperweight. Yeah. That's right, yes. Bean. Christmas Basically. and asylum is not just about you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't know nice. that for sure. You, Look at those cheese You nice. could get me... Pretty much anything from Asylum for Christmas, and I will be uh, appreciative and happy to have it. Hold on, Challenge Cable, accepted. Cable said the magic word, cheese, cheese knives. knives. Oh, they always got cheese knives at Asylum. You ever oh, looking no. for cheese knives, you go to Asylum. Also, uh, some nice uh, birch trays with beautiful art on them to put maybe put the cheese on there. I don't know. Mm, that's true. Just saying. Uh, and as always, if you want to buy the show something from Asylum, we will always take uh, really fancy whiskey decanters because we're a classy show. Yes, pinkies up for them whiskey decanters. Asylum, thirty-seven, thirteen, Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, right across from the Baghdad Theater. Shop pinkies Ooh. up. Shop pinkies up. Flawless commercial transition. Perfect. With only five minutes left of the show. Mm-hmm. It was it was great. It's fine. It's fine. It's imagining Anton and Deb listening to this show and be like, when are they going to get to the commercial? Is it going to be one of those ones where he fucking ends it after the credits again? Like, no, Anton. Ha-ha. <laughs> gotcha. Just before. Hoisted <laughs> um, by your own petard. 
I am excited for going back to Hawkeye. I am excited yes. at the very brief introduction that we got to Echo, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of her in this upcoming episode. Yeah, um, I loved her intro. It was so well done. Mm-hmm. The uh, feeling, the sound. I I take it that that is a deaf character. A deaf native character. Mm-hmm. Mm. Played by a deaf native actress. Well done. Good job. I'm, I'm glad that that's starting to happen more, by the way. Yep. Um, Alakwa Cox is the actor's name, and she's playing Maya Lopez slash Echo. Another character I'm not familiar with, but that's okay. I'm sure I will. I'm sure I'll learn lots. She is. I'm not either. She was created by uh, Joe Casada and David Mack, and originally started as a daredevil villain. So yeah, I believe I'm, um, I'm fascinated with her addition here. I believe introduced during the Marvel Knights era. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, same when uh, Typhoid Mary. Mm-hmm. That seems oh. like a villain that'd be really interesting to bring up, especially in the era of COVID. But mm. that's a hard sell. Uh, yeah, tell that to Why the Last Man. You know, there were many other things. Why the Last Man's going to be back? I hope it is, and I, I, I'm lukewarm about how the show played out. Like, I know that they struggled with like a lot of like getting it off the ground and casting and this and that. Um, it was not everything I hoped it would be. Right, but but it, like if it comes back somewhere else, maybe it can it can be more. It can be but more imagine, better. But imagine the expectations on why the last man, considering how long it was in development, and it's just that's one of those things that also ends up getting kind of almost hurt by its own expectations. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. No. That's that's fair. I was really, really, really excited, and so that's that's hard to match. Yeah. But it, that's it's, probably a conversation for a different day. Yeah, the same thing about like depending Sandman. There's so much people are going to come in with so many expectations on that show, myself included. You know, mm-hmm. so anyway, we got to wrap up here a little bit too. So, all right. So any any other thoughts about Hawkeye? By the way, the LARP scene, fantastic. So I'm good. Impressed. Oh my god. I'm glad that they are having fun. They're they're having a lot of fun, even though like you know. Right now, you know, Jeremy Renner is the presumptive lead, and he is a surly. He is done surly. with this shit. He is yes. so done with yes. this shit. All when of I say shit. presumptive because I assume that the co- the point of this series is to pass the baton. Yes, yes, because we're going to get Young Avengers, and you have to have Kate Bishop. Mm. Uh, what I do hope this leads to, me being a complete like dork for certain comic titles. Is that I hope the, because the even the comic series there's a bit of absurdity to it, which is wonderful. It's definitely like a hallmark of like Fraction. He loves to take the heroes and add an absurd level to it. I was gonna mm-hmm. say if Matt Fraction wrote any of it, then you know it's gonna get silly at some point. So here's what I hope this will lead to on Disney Plus one day. We're about to wrap up this the initial Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, Sony and Marvel have said Tom Holland's on track for three more. Which okay. means we might start getting more villains, which means one day, potentially, we could get a superior foes of Spider-Man series on Disney+. Plus. Interesting. Which I would so be down for. They're that already doing the, the Spider-Man um, senior year 
show. Freshman year. Freshman year, right. Freshman. right, right. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine Taika Watiti being handed the producer showrunner of Superior Foes of Spider-Man with all these C and D list Spider-Man villains <laughs> <laughs> that have to just try to get by in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm done. I'm down for that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Anyway. Plus, it just gets more people out there looking at Lieber stuff. And he's got a book coming out with DC that I am super pumped for. Nice. What is it called again? It's, um... Oh, no! One Star Squadron? The One, One Star, Star Squadron. Squadron. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. Uh, no, speaking no, no, of DC, no. Wonder Woman Historia Amazon's dropped today. Yes! Uh, which is weird that it dropped on a Tuesday. During our show last week, while we were um, interviewing Kelly Sue, I emailed Ring and said, hi, put this in my box. I did too. <laughs> someone, I, might I have, may... someone, someone might have found me the uh, the special cover. Ooh. Ooh, I did not do that, but I still got my hands on a copy. Yeah, you big jerk. You can't say anything yet. Cannot say anything. Maybe someday. So we've gotten Aaron out of Comics Limbo, and now Bean is in Comics Limbo. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Bean. Welcome to Comics Limbo. Yeah. Woo. Welcome to the suck. <laughs> how, how low can I go? Hey. Never ask that question. <laughs> I, it, it's, a, it's a limbo line, but you know, you're right. It didn't work. Let's let's just like hey, scratch that from the not, record. Not that kind I, of limbo. I've spent a quarter of my adult <laughs> life trying to go that low. Oh, sad trombone. And no, I've done it right. March 16, 2022. But there's no fun catchphrases for, you know, the concept limbo. Or are there? Are there fun fra- catchphrases for the concept of limbo? Yes. I just, because I, I would like to know them. I mean, I know it's where unbaptized babies go. That's, that's oddly specific. No, no, I mean, that's like the only thing I know about limbo. Yeah. Catholics. That's where they go. Unbaptized babies go to purgatory limbo. Mm-hmm. So uh, and, do... and the suicidal. No, they go to hell. That's a mortal sin. Okay. Did There's you not another watch, group. There's did another you not group. watch Bram Stoker's Dracula and or Constantine? I've seen them both. Um, there is another group. There's another group besides the poor unbaptized babies that go to The Lilo. unborn also go to purgatory. Yes. And technically, every... Supposedly, everyone that dies after the death of Christ goes to purgatory. You don't go to heaven or hell. You actually have to wait in purgatory until the apocalypse. The, I don't remember then, that. Oh, the rapture? The it, rapture. It's past the rapture. It's Are once you sure the, you're not confusing the prophecy? entirely possible all of them are based on the same made up um, fake sky daddy thing anyway so God, i gotta rewatch the prophecy man that movie's dope that movie's so it was good. it was good 
Vigo Mortensen makes the best that Everyone ever. for the last 2021 years has been just piling up in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't exist anyway. Again, none of these things are real. No, no, no none of this is real, but we're talking Although, about it anyway. What's weird is I actually wrote a short story one time uh, after NASA had recorded um, what sounded like screaming coming from Mars, from Saturn. So I had created this story where Saturn is purgatory and Saturn is filled with the spirits of everyone who has died waiting to be sent somewhere else. And that is the collective scream coming from the planet. It was a it was a dark story. Uh, Zach just shared a video game called Dante's Inferno, where you travel through the fifth. And in that game, when you travel through the fifth circle of hell, you fight a giant topless Cleopatra who fires unbaptized baby at you from her nipples. And that would be that would be lust, by the way, is that level. I don't I. What? <laughs> I think that was an early PS3 game, like real early one. Yeah, that makes sense. Right I, around, I have, right around I the Devil no May words. Cry, right around Back. the Devil May Cry Why? era. Mm. Sometimes you got to fire them nipple babies. You know, I was about to, I was about to plug my own book again coming out in March, but this feels like a bad place to do it. Oh, oh, now you're too good for your own jokes. <laughs> No, but I also have that, like you said, that marketing background where I know that's not a good place. This is not a good place to pivot. <laughs> maybe you should have. Maybe you should have said that then. It was Sack's fault. You can't blame everything on Sack. Oh, can't I? Not everything. I can, and I shall. <laughs> well then, um, um, March sixteenth, twenty twenty two, season the Bruha comes out. <laughs> Great. Uh, New Hawkeye this week, this Wednesday. New Discovery this Thursday. Yes. So. And Aaron, you and I have to figure out a time to go watch Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bean, do you want to go? Or are you, is that your thing? I would go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We definitely Uh, need to do that. I mean, I'll go. I'll go Friday. We, we could probably talk about this off air. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And we can and we should. God damn it, Norm. Also, it's time for me to go check my pots. Well, then let's sign off. Uh, with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Pinarita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. And this has been the all new streaming version of Geek in the City Radio. Thanks for joining us on on Facebook and Twitch. And, and YouTube. And YouTube. And YouTube. By the way, I do believe the Twitch channel already has the donate button. Woo! <laughs> Good night, nice. everybody. <laughs>